everyone. I hope you're enjoying the summer wherever you are. We, this week, say goodbye to our first foster child. He's been an incredible addition to our family and he's off to his forever home. I wish I could share more with you, but suffice it to say, it's been enormously enriching and his ongoing journey is the happiest outcome. He's delighted, but we'll miss each other. We've both acknowledged that we're happy sad today. And now to introduce my guest for the day. I've been looking forward to getting Matt Kane on the podcast. He's a PE teacher with a difference. He also covers PSHE as well as health and social care. And he's got a big heart for young people. I wanted to chat to him about the social side of school, helping children to learn to respect each other, be careful with social media, understand some of the subtle nuances of relationships as well as sex education. Matt teaches at a senior school and some of you might have a child or two at that level and some of you will be waving off a year seven in their oversized uniform in September. So I thought it would be great to have a look behind the school walls at some of the support that teachers offer on top of the core subjects and some of the ways that they encourage, grow and protect our kids as they navigate the teen years and begin to consolidate their core values. So I started by asking him how he copes with the awkward subject. Do you know, I'm very much a person that is very open and very comfortable with a lot of different aspects of, you know, of life and, as, and especially when it comes to teaching, sex education and stuff. The first thing I do straight away is, right, this is, you know, the sex education part. Here's a pen, everyone. Just Here's a whiteboard. Just write down everything you, any question you want to ask or any question you have or anything you want to learn about. Ask it and we, I will see if I can answer it as best as I can. But obviously there's some things that we, we can't cover, but you're gonna have lots of questions about that, you know, especially like the 15, 16 year olds that are, they're starting to be in relationships. They're starting to be more curious about different things and everything. So it's kind of, you know, making sure that you, you're really professional about it, you're really responsible about it, but it's also, you know, it's an opportunity for, rather than just kind of like diverting around like the giggliness of different bits and pieces. and it's actually just being open and honest and being like, you know, there are different aspects of it. It's not just about that. It's not just about this. It's it's really understanding about what's right. And, you know, a big thing within current issues is actually knowing when someone says no, mm. it means no. Like, you need to stop what you're doing and, you know, you need to back off. Like, even if it's just a conversation with someone and it's kind of getting a little bit too heated and the other person feels really uncomfortable, it's like, Look, I'm really sorry, like, I'm just going to back off and everything. And it's teaching sh- students what's right and what's wrong in terms of that aspect, especially male students that are, you know, it's, it's very stereotypical to say, but it's, you know, you, you hear it as you go in past trying to, you know, say like a, like, they, they call it banter or, you know, it's like ch- trying to chat with someone or like making a comment to a female student or... And it's, you know, actually, no, you can't say that. That's, that's wrong now. We, you know, we need to cut that out straight away. Again, it's just teaching kids to learn that actually there is terminology not to say and the way that you approach someone, if you want to build a relationship with someone, there is a certain way to do it. There is, mm. and there's a wrong way to do it as well. Mm. But then so. we can go to the other end of the spectrum, can't we? You yeah. can be describing somebody and you can be accurately describing them and then somebody turns around and calls you racist and actually... 
No, I was making a racial observation. I wasn't denigrating them in any way. I mean, where do you teach them to draw a healthy line? I think, you know, that is something that all human beings are learning as, we, as we're going along as well. It's just, you know, today I went to a shopping centre outside of Cheltenham, outside of Gloucestershire, and walked into a shop and there's two people, there's two staff members wearing their masks, but they were wearing them underneath their nose. And that's one of my bugbears. It's like so annoying. If you're going to wear a mask, <laughs> wear a mask properly, for crying out loud. And, I'd, and, I, and there was two, yeah, two male staff that weren't, both of them weren't wearing. There was one black male staff member and there was a white male staff member. And then there was a female staff member who was wearing a mask properly. So I kind of like whispered in her, like, could you speak to both your staff members? Like, they're not wearing the mask properly. Like, it's, I'm really sorry if it's just a bit of OCD about me. I just, if they're going to wear it, wear it. And I came out and I was like, like, that staff member going to think, like, am I... My racist because I didn't actually speak to him properly. You know, start getting like, like I say, paranoid or anxious that you didn't do the right thing because you didn't speak to the right person. It's something that we're like all of us are learning as we go along and stuff. And and again, it's just like if you have someone that you're teaching ethics to or religious studies to, you know, if you've got a Muslim in the class or if you've got a a Sikh in the class, you know. There's nothing wrong with asking them before you teach. I haven't really got much knowledge about this. Like, can you tell me about like Ramadan or anything like that? And they, you know, that they build respect from that. And like, you've actually spoken to them about different bits and pieces. And like, you know, there's one thing I really, really worked on with my tutor group this year was again just accepting each other and you know learning about each other and like learning contemporary issues and current issues. So one of the things we talked about in tutor time is the effect of Black Lives Matters and it's actually making that awareness about what's happening in the world and it's just making sure that people are just aware of just asking people what's best to describe certain aspects of people and everything so yeah understanding is key isn't it yeah we can't always agree mm. but we can seek to understand each other and also respecting each other I think that's an, a word that's not used enough is like yes you can understand how like someone's beliefs or something like that but it's also respects them as well it's you know you can go out and understand something but not respect it but but you understand. can even dig down on that word respect couldn't you you can mm. say well I respect your right to believe it, mm. but I don't actually respect it as a belief, because if I did, I would be in agreement with it. So it's, yeah. it's actually, what does respect mean? It means just receiving the fact that that's where they stand, yeah. not actually having to agree. And I think that's where a lot of the arguments start. Do you feel that you've seen tangible benefits from your conversations? Massively. Do you? Absolutely. What sort of things have you spotted? So just simple things like something that I taught my students was for like my year sevens is every time you walk into the room, you've got to go and say hello to at least five people. Okay. And it actually gets them saying good morning. I've got a year seven tutor group in September. And the first thing I'm going to do is literally every morning for the first half term, before you even sit down, when you come in, you say good morning to every single person. So at least you've had an interaction with someone before the start, before the day even starts. Okay. And even just simple things like opening a door for someone. Yeah. You know, it's getting those starting to be more mature about different decision making things. Even if it's just something that they don't even think about anymore. And just the different types of conversations they're having. So like we, I did an assembly on comfort zones. A couple of years ago, like literally just stood in front of key stage four, year, year 10, 11, I think there must have been about 200, 400, 300 kids there. 
and I stood in a box, a cardboard box, <laughs> literally just talked about like, this is my comfort zone. For some people, their cardboard box is gonna be bigger because of the experiences that they've had and the conversations they have, but other people, they just about fit in their cardboard box. But the more you talk about things and the more that you discuss and have more life experiences about, you know, if you're thinking in your mind, oh, like, should I do something? Should I talk to that person? Like, should I ask that boy out or should I ask that girl out? You know, you're not gonna make your box bigger until you've had a go at it. Mm. Like I, and I had, <laughs> my guitar, I brought my guitar into school and I'd said that I don't sing in front of people. I just don't. I have a massive anxiety about it. I, I hate it. I can like, I can play at home. I can like sing on my own and stuff like that. When it comes to in front of people, I just can't do it. And by the end of it, you know, we were talking about like, you know, experiences in life and how to grow that cardboard box and how to grow your experiences and how to grow your confidence. And I, and I looked at my guitar and I ended up just kicking this box into bits and just like, just breaking it down. And I got up and I stood up and played, played the guitar in front of everyone. And I sang, I can't even remember what I sang. I'm definitely not doing it on the podcast either. Um, <laughs> we were so close. I know. We were so close. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. And yeah, afterwards, people come up to me going like, that was really good. Like, I had a couple of students come up to me about it and say, you know, actually, that, that makes me think about different things in my life, about like, how do I speak to people and like, how do I approach people? Uh, we talk about communication in health and social care and the non-verbal skills and the verbal skills. So non-verbal skills of facial expressions, eye contact, hand gestures. So one of the games I do, like one of the lesson activities I do, is pack of cards and you give them all each a card and you go, right, you've got to find someone with the same... The, suit. The suit, thank you, yeah, yeah. So find someone with the same suit. And you just go along, yeah, 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 that, yeah, brilliant, perfect. Right, now you're not allowed to show your card and now you're not allowed to speak either. So now you've got to now figure out how you're going to link up with someone. And it's really interesting how they do it. So like all their expressions of like eyebrows and like I've got a code winking and stuff. It's like, it's hilarious, but it's also getting them to understand that it's not just about that message that you bring across verbally, it's actually learning other bits and pieces. Tell me what health and social care is as a subject. Yeah, so, so health and social care is all about um, the different aspects of care, so whether that be hospitals, whether that be residential care for uh, elderly, or if it's working in social care with foster parents or foster children, or um, working with teenagers, or whether it be in childcare as well, in terms of nurseries as well, and kind of like daycare and and you know kind of like uh, young babysitters or anything like that, and just giving them the knowledge to you know, understand what's required in terms of knowledge, like care values and stuff like that, or first aid, so how to deal with first aid, whether it be someone within the workplace or someone that's, you know, kind of fallen over in on the pavement or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's re I, I love the subject, I love teaching, it's the first year I've taught it, because um, I've been a PE teacher before. So I'm quite surprised to hear you say that, because you're a big burly bloke. You clearly love your rugby <laughs> and your outdoor sports. And yeah. here's you saying, I love teaching this. What is it about it that you're loving? I think, because I, I got made redundant before the, the COVID situation happened. Oh. Um, so I kind of lost my job beforehand and then um, just due to budgeting, really. Um, 
so I was kind of looking for jobs left, right, and centre. I want to be, a, you know, apply to be a pizza driver or a pizza hut and everything. Um, Having but, been a teacher for years. Yeah, yeah. So okay. like seven years and stuff like that. But it was it was with an independent school at the time, and then they just decided like, look, we're, we're going to really struggle to. And it was only a small independent school bless them and yeah they just said like look we're just gonna have to let a few people go and stuff which was a shame but I totally understood um but you know th- this job came a- came across a-, a local school and said and I looked at it and went actually it's quite easy to transfer all the theory that I know from physical education with like dietitians um looking at nutrition how to stay active first aid as well that was really transferable and that came across in my interview really well and so they they offered me the job and yeah I've just loved it ever since and just being I think it's having that um opportunity to teach in a different environment and just you know being able to pass on my knowledge and learn new knowledge as well the team that I work with are absolutely amazing like my my head of department is the best best boss I've ever had in the okay. in the past seven years and stuff so, so you've got a role model there I do yeah she's absolutely amazing so okay she inspires you absolutely and we, like the team that we've got as well when we when we sit down and have lunch you know we're always gossiping about you know life in general and like giving me loads of advice about you know um, different bits and pieces and really helping me uh, get along the way in terms of the subject and everything so it's been really good fun because you've got that's your perfect environment really isn't it one where you're being grown and you're growing people because that's yeah. what we're sort of called to do but th- what you're speaking about there in the subject of health and social care is mm. basically you're talking about the vocational end of the spectrum aren't you exciting yeah. people on into jobs that they might not they're not your kind of classic doctor lawyer jobs no no so broadening their spectrum their remit their understanding yeah and i think the the, you know students come into it saying like oh you know know, this is you know i've come into it because i want to be a doctor or i want to be a nurse i kind of want to get to know that but it's like well actually there's loads of different areas that you can look at so it could be you know looking into residential homes it could be dietitians it could be nutritionists you know yes your paramedics yes your nurses and everything like that but also there's other bits and pieces so you can go into teaching from that or you can go into you know childcare, and you know if you are looking at working with teenagers that or young children that are struggling with their fam with like family backgrounds or like the you know the home that they live in at the minute you can go and be a like a mentor or a tutor for them as well so it's kind of given those aspects and different experiences and saying like this is what you can do rather than just be this this and this and I think it's really important at the minute because of everything that's happened through Covid I think a lot of students not just from my school but from all around have been able to see how they how certain families have struggled through the lockdown and how they've not been able to see family or being able to even just to see friends and stuff and I think health and social care really helps to understand, like, well, this is how you can help in terms of that aspect of, you know, supporting families, supporting different people, really. So Being a good community person. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, and it's exciting, really, because I think I come from a background where it was maths, mm. languages, sciences and English, whereas this is just not something that we've ever been taught in school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, maths is the answer in the back of the book anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to a maths teacher. Oh, history doesn't matter. It's in the past. Modern foreign languages, no one understands what you're saying, so it's fine. So. <laughs> and what do you think the biggest challenges are facing teenagers today? I mean, you spend all day, every day in term time with them. What do you think the challenges oh, are? So I think, a, I think a big one is learning about social media. 
is, yeah. a, is a big one. And there are a lot of things, you know, you've got TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram as well, and kind of understanding. Twitter for some. Twitter as well, of just like, if you post something up there, you are kind of showing how you're feeling at the time, or it could be that you're trying to, trying to gain confidence from a picture you put up of a selfie, or you see in the news now, like how comments affect them from a post that they put up. Mm. And the question is of, do you really need to put comments up or do you really need to put a, a picture up of yourself doing something and how to, you know, who are your friends on Facebook? Who are your friends on Instagram? Who are you following? And it's just making sure that they they are really aware and really careful. And it's the same with, you know, teaching parents about it as well and just making sure that they're aware of what their, what their kids are seeing and what they're exposed to online and everything. So I think, yeah, social media is a really big one at the minute. And in the seven years that you've been teaching, are you mm. seeing the kind of negative fruit of people being in social media compared to seven years ago when it was still around, but there was infinitely less of it? Yeah, I, I think hugely, like, there is a lot going on. So, if, you know, if someone posts something or they've, you know, taken a video of someone, you know, out, like, while they're out on in the town or something like that, and then that spreads to someone, then that spreads to someone else, and that spreads to someone else you know, that really can cause some really bad mental health difficulties for someone. And would you be picking that up in school and dealing with that? Yeah, so if, we, if we're if we aware of that, we, we take it straight to the safeguarding officers that we've got in place, welfare officers, and we go through the system that we've got to, sh- to say, you know, this is what I've heard. Or if I've seen something, if I've walked past someone and, you know, someone's kind of said, oh, like, this has happened. Or if a student's approached us and said there is something going on social media about me. You know, I, I do have evidence, I've got it on my phone. It's kind of like, right, okay, let's write everything down, talk me through everything, and we'll, we'll deal with this right now. So it's really Which is interesting, isn't it? Because when I was at school, mm. once you were past the school gates, they had no say over what you did, whereas it's all merging now, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah. Do you find yourself much more involved in their outside life than you would have done before? Um, yeah, there are, there are aspects. So when you're a tutor as well and you hear about something that's happened or some of your tutees have been involved in some way, whether it be they've been a witness to something or they've been, you know, accused of something or they are the person that's accusing someone else, you feel responsibility for them. You feel as though, well, if I was their parent, I'd want to know about this. Mm. So it's really important that you you don't ignore it. You don't do anything. And it's, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to get on with my day. It's actually, no, I need to deal with this now because this could potentially affect someone massively. So it's best that we pick this up really quickly. And I think as much as teenagers will be like, oh, well, why is school involved? I think a lot of them really appreciate the fact that the school do get involved and they do let their parents know that something's happening and that we go down the right route and we support the child as much as possible. And, and again, it comes through getting them to learn about different aspects of life and everything. So, yeah. The whole school-home divide mm. is completely different now, isn't it? it yeah. There's so much crossover. I mean, you were talking earlier about teaching sex ed to 14 and 15 and 16 year olds do you feel that's the school's place to do that or do you think that's the parents place what what's your perspective on that so i think certain aspects that do cross over the question of where the babies come from i think that's more parents point of view and to be honest i think there should be some coincidence in terms of that communication between parents and school to say like 
we've had this question with little Joey and can you help us out with this? Or, you know, this is what we've said. He might ask you some questions if he comes into school today. It's a difficult question. I think obviously there are some aspects that you just wouldn't cover anyway. But I think we need to educate children in terms of what's right and what's wrong in terms of sex ed and everything like that. And I think that's something that could be a lot better in terms of the communication between schools and parents. Not just like one school, but just all schools to say like, this is what we're covering. Maybe you want to have a little conversation with with little Joey about it. Yeah. Just to prepare them about, rather than like little Joey coming back home and going, oh, look, we learned about this and that. It's like... Doesn't, doesn't shock people. And do you find when you teach it that they'll just sort of agree with you or do you find you have some quite kind of healthy banter around what they think is right and you think is right? Um, I think it's more of a discussion more than anything. Having debates and having discussions with people of, you know, what's your opinion of... What's one of the examples I give? Oh, in like sport is what's the biggest issue in sport? Is it racism or is it homophobia? And it's really interesting to see what students you know come up with in terms of their opinion and everything. So it's actually rather than kind of saying this is it, this is I'm going to teach you the way that I know it. It's actually getting uh, getting students to actually say, well, this is my opinion, so I'm going to bring it in, and and now we're going to have a group discussion of like why do you think that's right? Why do you think that's wrong? So you're discussion-led, yeah, which is quite healthy, isn't it? Mm, is that one of the, your passions, to sort of raise confidence and improve culture among that age group? Yeah, absolutely. Being comfortable in your environment that you're in and being able to interact with other people, for me, it benefits education massively. To be able to kind of sit down and kind of say... I don't, ha- I don't need a seating plan because I, can, I feel comfortable to sitting next to that person or I sit next to that person. And it's just, again, coming back to that respect of the environment that you're in as well. And have you always been comfortable in your own skin or is this something that you had to grow in and therefore you've got a heart to help young people? Um, it's, ca- it's come from more me having to work hard for where I want to be. So for me, like growing up, I was a, a massive Newcastle Falcons fan, like a rugby rugby lad, like born in County Durham before I went down to Cornwall. You know, you get to meet rugby players and like be in that environment and you learn to be in a team environment and you're all working towards one, one end goal. And for these students, they're all working towards one end goal is getting those grades so then they can go on the, towards the career that they want to go on. And it's exactly the same thing, of, but just in a bigger scale. So it's just getting them to work in a team environment and just understand that you're all working towards the same thing. Let's work together. And it doesn't matter what, what your beliefs are. It doesn't matter what sexuality you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. We're all going to support each other. We're all going to work towards that, that end goal, really. So. They must love being in your class. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it's funny? One of the one of my tut- oh, like my tutees this year were brilliant. I absolutely loved them. My year my year eleven tutor group. They always used to ask me like, oh, every teacher's got a favourite. Every teacher's got a favourite student. Like, who's your favourite? I was like, I'm, I'll answer it the same way as I answer every single time. Is I hate you all equally. <laughs> we're all brilliant, but oh, it's so nice to go home. And you're about to get married, aren't you? I am indeed. Yes, two weeks today. My goodness, all sus. 
but yes, really excited. Really like, I can't wait. It's going to be an amazing day oh. down on the Cornish coast. And and as and much as that's a courageous thing to do, I have yeah. asked you <laughs> to come prepared with what's a courageous thing that you've done in your oh, life. Oh wow! I've picked out three things that are really just very very quick. Like when I was training, there was a point in my teacher training where I was like. I can't do this. I'm really struggling. Like and I was really beating myself up about if a lesson went wrong. Well, that was it. Like that's that's teaching over for me. But it was actually, well, what are you going to do about it? Are you actually going to sulk about it and give it all up? All these years of like wanting to be a teacher, or actually you're going to do something about it and actually learn from it. And that's when I kind of push myself to actually get a bit better and learn from the mistakes and brilliant learning to become an overcomer then exactly yeah and just reflecting properly it's easy to just look at what went wrong but actually what did actually what actually went well brilliant so that was one crazy thing we've had a couple of issues with family in terms of my my mum's got a heart condition but they haven't really diagnosed it properly and there's been times where she's collapsed and we haven't even realized what the situation is um, until afterwards when we found out that she properly flatlined for 10 seconds and her heart then restarted. But it was in those situations where I didn't really think about it. It was just, right, first aid mode, let's get her into recovery position. Afterwards, you're kind of like, I literally just did like first aid with my mum. Like, that's quite scary, actually. And then to find out, yeah, yeah flatlined. Like, oh. Adrenaline courage. Adrenaline, yeah. Um, and then like the final one's a bit soppy. I was kind of going through like a rough patch in terms of my teaching. and I wasn't really enjoying where I was. I was kind of going through a part a part of my life where I just got out of a relationship. It, wasn't, it, it broke off really badly. And I was like, Do you know what? I've always wanted to go and teach abroad. I'm going to apply for a, for a job abroad. And I, I got a job in a country very far away. It was through the process of going through work permits, flights, rent and everything like that I'd met my other half and then I yeah I was kind of courageous enough to kind of make the decision to go do you know what let's make a swimming of it and I'm not gonna go so I'll Gosh. I'll stay then shall I that was hard I was hard and, and now we're getting married in two weeks so <laughs> so yeah so yes he's on the final countdown and I wish him and Annie every future happiness he touched on some really important topics here how we learn to accept each other, respect each other's boundaries, improve our social well-being and build skills for life outside the core subjects. I know that my children would have loved a teacher like that. The social media question is one that I'm often asked and there's a chapter on it in my book which is the basis of the talk that I tour schools with. It touches on all of the important aspects of helping your child to make good decisions online without those parent-child arguments. Yes, it can happen. So do pick up your copy either by popping to the blog, The Courageous Mama, or just going to the link below. And if you're looking for some help in any area of family life and want to book a consultation, there's a link below for that too. And you can also contact me very easily. I'm The Courageous Mama everywhere. On the blog, on the pod, on Instagram and at Gmail. And I'm going to put my microphone down for a few weeks and enjoy my children during August and this sunny weather. And I'll be back as usual every Tuesday from September. Have a great summer. I'll see you then.